So my name is Lori Roggenkamp. And I'm Marie Alvia, though. Our guest is a very funny guy. My best friend. I don't know if he's my, if I'm his best friend. No, nope. I'm engaged. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's his best friend. <laughs> Trouble. Yeah, that'd be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to some explaining. You're certainly top hundred, though. Thank you, yeah. Colin Hughes. Hi. Uh, pause for clap. Applause. No, no, not for you, for you guys. Oh, the people from in the, the podcast. Yeah. Audience. So, okay. what are we going to be talking about, Maria? Okay, so we're starting our Warlord Wives series. Well, this is going to be our first series. Like this is yeah. part one. Yeah. So, LeBron, no, Hitler's not a warlord, right? No, but well, we are considering. He consider- is a warlord. He so is. He's he's so not. So you can talk about LeBron. Yeah. Will. Okay, cool. She she has like she's not. She makes a cameo in this episode. Not, not in this, in this one. one, but she thank you like, for bringing it up because yeah. this is not definitely not a Ava Brown episode. Well, okay. She has like twelve pages already, and it's her we, childhood. Yeah, and, oh, and wow. outline. So she didn't they get married? Didn't they get? Engaged? This is not an Ava Brown episode. <laughs> we have twelve pages. <laughs> this yeah. is not. They didn't. Right, get, no. God, tell okay. me about some other woman. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody doesn't matter. So yeah, we're gonna go to the the uh, the Cambodian. Hitler. Mm. Where um so these are the wives of the Khmer Rouge. So it's Cambodian. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was um is the uh nickname basically given to the Communist Party of Cambodia. And they were known as the Khmer Rouge and the Communist Party of Kampuchea. So they fought I assume Rouge is red. Yeah. Khmer, Khmer is probably um that's just that's the has meaning. That's the the name the Khmer is the, the it's a group of that's native to Cambodia. It's the, oh, okay. Yeah. The people of Cambodia. Right. So red Khmer. Ah, okay. For gotcha. communists. Right, right. Like the native yeah. people here, we know them as Indians. Yeah. India. <laughs> so the Khmer Rouge fought in the Cambodian Civil War and they were backed by the by North Vietnam and the Viet Cong and the I'm gonna I'm gonna mispronounce a lot okay. during, during this because this I only I'm read so glad that she's doing this. I only read this stuff. I didn't uh, hear it spoken by that's anybody. Okay. <laughs> and the the path I studied. Uh, I I went to school for southeastern studies, so maybe I can help. You should help a yeah. lot. Oh wait, no, I went to school for music, but I also <laughs> it's the same. But I also dropped out of college, so I have a degree in whatever I want. To I'm say good. I have a degree. In, okay, so. so say you have a, a degree in um, Cambodian studies yeah. from the 1950s to the 1990s, or Shakespeare, which or oddly yeah. enough will come come up in come this. into play. Ooh, foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler, but this is not a spoil. Uh, uh, okay, anyway. <laughs> Spoiler, but uh, I'm just going to give up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Khmer's army was um, was built up in the jungles of eastern Cambodia during the late 1960s. They had support from North Vietnam, the Viet Cong, and the Pathé Lao, and especially from the People's Republic of China, which mm. is a big communist Do you want to have, like, some kind of sound effect under this? Like, yeah, yeah, there you go. Please keep going. Yeah. The whole time. Okay. <laughs> so it was the Khmer Rouge versus the, the Kingdom of Cambodia. <laughs> Which had support from South Vietnam and the U.S. So in the, around 1975, the Khmer Rouge finally, they win the Cambodian Civil War. <laughs> They capture the Cambodian capital and they overthrow the Khmer Republic. Dun, dun, dun. Which includes like a prince at the time and stuff, so I don't feel too Ooh. bad. Yeah. But no, but it gets worse, so I do feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the Khmer Rouge was led by a guy that at the time was named Pol Pot. And then oh, we I had. Know Pol Pot. Yeah. And then his, his right hand men, Nuan Chia, Aang Sari, Sansen. Don't be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Aang Sari, not sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, cue some hot and, and so <laughs> once they took over they installed a government called uh, they called it the Democratic Kombucha and immediately Kombucha <laughs> which is literally the most delicious government uh, Democratic I know, government I find overpriced it kind of but delicious yeah, yeah and when they have the, that government on tap you know that place is just yeah. <laughs> the tits yeah yeah <laughs> So they took over and then like they wasted no time in (coughs) implementing their like extreme Marxist-Leninist views on the entire country. Pol Pot believed like in in a completely self-sufficient society. Mm -hmm. He would like view, he saw like the mountain tribes of Cambodia as like the best example of what basically primitive communism was. And he wanted all of Cambodia to be like that. Um, Sure. Yeah, of course. You see a small tribe succeeding and you're like, that's what a whole yeah. huge amount of people should exactly. be like. Yeah. yeah, that's what a whole city, a whole, you know. Yeah, yeah. United Urban States has <laughs> 300 million billion people, whatever it is, and it's like, well, what if we were just like a trading society? Yeah, it's you like a hot dog stand. Face, you fucking hippie. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, like a hot, hot dog, dog stand in New York. He was it's, like, you know, we should... the, the dictator. Wait, how is it? I need to hear how to <laughs> Yeah. No, I think Maria should cut in. I think Maria cut in. He's like the awful dictator version of of Ralph Waldo Emerson, or he just wanted everybody to live out in the woods and uh, okay. live. Oh, I see, like a hot dog stand. <laughs> like a hot dog stand in New York. Yeah. No, I'm just saying it's like it's super busy, but you don't want to have your model built after just like a hot dog stand. Why not? What's wrong with making your living off a of hot dog? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's you a don't tiny base McDonald's off a hot dog stand. Yes, sure, sure. There's yeah. a long way to go. Yeah, that's a huge jump. <laughs> <laughs> I did I would I continue. Are you, are you <laughs> I am starving. I have not had anything. I ate Chipotle at 10.45 in the morning. and I 10.45 in the morning, Chipotle? I haven't had anything else. Oh yeah, God. I was the first person there. Yeah. I was literally, I, like, literally I was there like 45 minutes before they opened, but I was there like, first. No. There was no one else in the tent. <laughs> they, opened, they opened at 11. They're supposed to open at 11, but I got there early and I was like, hey, I'm really sorry, but I have to go to work. Could you possibly just make a my meal for me and the lady was like yeah fine like I'll do it because I see her all the time yeah she's so used to <laughs> so, yeah and I had the online order already so she was like yeah alright fine that's fine but yeah she uh <laughs> I have a fear that like that woman alone her name's Eileen she's going to she's going to be your maid of honor <laughs> she, she's going to be my maid of honor <laughs> I would like her to give me away uh no she's gonna she's gonna like go if she goes AWOL she's gonna gonna like wait until I show up and then kill me and kill herself. Well then she's gonna I, she's only gonna like, kill you. I feel always, like I'm the bane of her existence. You're the first one there. You're the only one there in the morning. She's only gonna kill you and herself. It's just nice and to know that you have like you see somebody when you walk in have a smile and then when they see you just immediately lose their smile. <laughs> That's always fun for me. Dude, you should go up every day and be like hey sorry uh, first time I'm not sure how this works. What do I order? Do I do it just like a me? Or how do I do this? I'm so you should wear a different we'll costume every, every time, day. but a different lazy costume every time. Yeah. Like just, a mustache. Just take a mustache yeah. and move it to different parts yeah. of your face. Just move it. They have brown like- paper towels. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. It doesn't even make sense, but everyone laughed and I'm happy now. Yeah, I just. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it was going to be my hot dog reference because everybody just skated by that. And like you pointed it out. I'm just going to say that. By everybody, you mean one person skated by it. <laughs> because I'm the other person. Yes. Me, Cash, who's in the other room. <laughs> the dogs. Who the are dogs. Not. Maria. Yeah, everyone stopped. That bundle of sticks over there. Paul's here? <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. So Popot wanted a completely, am I saying this right, agrarian society. Yeah, very good. uh, Thank you. (laughs) They sounded it out. (laughs) And the majority of the people who lived in the more urbanized areas of Cambodia were Chinese and Vietnamese people, and he called them bourgeois. You know, at at this point, that's how, like, the whole party referred to them as bourgeois. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So Vietnamese. (laughs) So bourgeois. (laughs) I mean... This is Cambodia, right? Yeah, it's Cambodia. So immediately they took power and to achieve this like agrarian society they the Khmer Rouge army started evacuating entire cities uh, entire families were just forced out of the city with whatever the hell they could grab like in the night and just forced into the jungles and into the rice fields to start working and these people they're city people you know yeah. that rice doesn't grow in water they were grounded originally it didn't grow in water but, but they started growing yeah. it in water to because it, it keeps bugs away uh, and it keeps uh it keeps like root there it keeps like disease away they found later that it can thrive in water it can grow just as well in mm-hmm. water and they started to grow it that way so weeds wouldn't come up and like bugs wouldn't attack it and they wouldn't mm-hmm. have to use pesticides and shit that, oh that's crazy isn't that interesting i yeah. didn't know that it grew in water so. yeah, yeah well, it's like little rice rice patties, rice patties yeah. you have to like oh scoop in. they like wear boots and they're mm-hmm. walking through like water but it didn't it wasn't originally in water they just did it that way because it was more efficient interesting to me that is very interesting cool i'll see you later all right. That's Bye. it. news, you guys. Goodbye. Bloody Mary. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to say it. Yeah. Shit. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. I hope I'm not ruining your podcast. No, you're I'm probably more chatty than most podcasts. No, no, you're yes. not. No, it's perfect. Okay. Uh, yeah, Paul wouldn't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that bundle of sticks was here. <laughs> it was here. <laughs> so entire families, these cities were forced into labor. They were expected to just know how to farm. Mm. And so, of course, what this just brought, like, exhaustion and overworking. I remember the reason I picked this topic, I was telling Laurie before we started, is I think in high school, we read First They Killed My Father, which was from the point of view of a little girl that suffered through the Khmer Rouge. And oh, shit. First they, you know, like, first they killed her father. She, like, but these people were just made to march for miles and miles, like, just holding, like, if you, if you, like, ran out of your house with, like, your rice pot, that's all you had. Yeah. And you were just forced to march and then work. Oh, man. And then, I don't know. Imagine if someone's like, just take whatever you can. Yeah. And you have to leave. And then you pick like, well, I'm just going to pick my kettlebell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what was just, what? just the essentials. Yeah. Like this, this, what um, matters the most to you? Yeah, my, it's like my, my exercise ball. My, my exercise ball. <laughs> I literally was <laughs> just thinking. exercise bike. And then 20 miles down the road, you're like, I should have just picked underwear. For yeah. Me, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just <laughs> maybe a book. Yeah. <laughs> One, one book. That one book that you're like oh. halfway through and you're like, I'll oh never see it again. Yeah. How was, will I ever find another copy of the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> I was well, literally win, thinking about, uh, I went on a date like a couple weeks ago and the waitress. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Yay. It's a real. Waitress named Eileen. Yeah, waitress named Eileen. I call her a waitress. Uh, Chipotle service, customer service member. Uh, <laughs> no, she, no, it was fun. But the waitress uh, would like, 
gave me a pen to sign the the bill and it was like the coolest pen that I've ever seen in my entire life and I was like I'm taking this pen <gasps> and so literally the first thing I thought of when I was like if I have to take one thing I was like I'm taking that goddamn pen <laughs> like I was like <laughs> <laughs> so do you take the pen yeah I, took I hated it when I was a waitress and people me took too but pens. that's why I never had good pens yeah well I learned when I was that a waitress. yeah it was a cool pen <laughs> um you have to send me a picture of it because I'm upset like my biggest obsession is pens Any, I think I have it anyone who ever oh. wants to give me a gift if you're listening to this pen okay a nice pen, pen like. it's G2 probably my Target. I like that G2 but the, I like the G2 as uh, well. mine's a Pentium I think it's called uh, Pentium yeah so cities were evacuated um they called it social engineering what they were doing trying Ooh, to like re- basically reprogram the entirety of Cambodia to be this and uh they didn't believe in medicines they they um wouldn't give anybody anything so like people would die of like malaria stuff that was completely curable and then they would just die of like exhaustion and overwork and dehydration so, <clears throat> so sounds a bit like Christian scientists and the yeah. thing that we would we would read is the weirdest part was like it was like these people were dying but then they would just be like oh well they just weren't they just were lazy or they just weren't working hard enough or something mm-hmm. like that it's oh yeah like, they would totally blame the yeah, person the yeah people. oh yeah which is totally or normal. bad genetics yeah yeah and they got to the point too where like the people in power were so like insulated I read this somewhere else that like at some points like in certain areas of the country there was like 12 year olds in charge of a town yeah just like making people just work because like they thought they understood like god. their ideologies could you and, imagine yeah. what you would make somebody do as a 12 year old oh god just jerk me off <laughs> it would be non-stop line of people jerking me off if I was 14 it, I'll die of exhaustion <laughs> I didn't find out about masturbation until I was 14 so if I was 14 that'd be the case but when I was 12 I just literally have everybody just watch Spongebob Squarepants with me like I'd just be like we have to watch it and eat Cheetos and uh, oh, Cheetos are the fucking you best. have to make me chicken fettuccine like the whole time <laughs> the whole time yeah we don't have it we don't have that here find it uh, find it we're dead upon you <laughs> so on top of all the the ridiculous overworking uh, it's a regime so they just killed everyone all the time mm-hmm. they killed all Cambodian minorities you could be killed for speaking any foreign language isn't it funny that other countries have minorities we think it's a uniquely American thing no I yeah. kind of understood that it's a worldwide well you're a minority I'm a white person <laughs> I never think about so it so you just think about yeah you just don't think about it because we're America is a society of like immigrants right and other places aren't especially the southeastern part of the of Asia there's a lot of indigenous people always but yeah. there's still minorities yeah because there's a lot of people that end up there yeah yeah, so, which is right. basically what happened but here but I just never think about it you see what you're saying so in summation around 2 million people died under the Khmer Rouge which was really only in power for four years Jesus. from 1975 to 1979 two million people being a quarter of the Cambodian population at the time uh, which is a lot it's 25% yes if you don't know what a quarter is <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I actually did not know. I'm going to speak. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll go over the, the formula to turn a passion into a percentage. Here comes the whiteboard. All right. No. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to breeze through the facts of Pol Pot. So yeah. the leader of the Khmer Rouge. He was born Salazar. Salazar. And- <laughs> 
I just like that name. <laughs> sounds like Why did he change that name to Pol Pot? Salazar sounds so much cooler. He changed it because at one, at one of the points that where they were all hiding, uh-huh. um, they all needed to change their names from uh, the government. I mean, oh, I think I but it's that. like, it's also kind of dumb because it's like, you already knew that Salazar was the leader. It's not like you're going to change your name to Pol Pot and then everyone's just going to assume it. it's a different guy. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this new guy yeah. with a different name? But no other distinguishing what did he wear like glasses and all of a sudden try to be a different he person he wore your chipotle mustache <laughs> yes he wore a chipotle on the side of his face yeah right right on the right side <laughs> it's got a weird Jesus, mustache Pol Pot took power in 75 that's so crazy yeah yeah it seems like forever ago yeah yeah I mean I wasn't forever. alive for it but still still it was not it long. seems like a history thing not like a recent history thing yeah yeah I know yeah, yeah. Uh, like Saturday Night Live had started <laughs> yeah that's while true. he was in We're, power yeah we were oh, in a totally I didn't even like, think about yeah. that. That's crazy. Chevy yeah. Chase was on TV. Oh my god, that is insane! True. And he lived till 1998. Yeah, yeah, which is when I graduated high school. I started elementary school. Oh. I started junior high in 1998. Yeah, I think I yeah because we we're about to say I that was year. born in 1998. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, Paul says to rebrand myself. <laughs> <laughs> I have a white beard, or it's starting to be white, but I got to rebrand myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> me, me, me and Zach Efron were born then. We hung out. We hung out. You and Zachy. Mm-hmm. Zachy. Yeah. That's what he's called, (laughs) Zachy. That's his nickname. Oh, that's a really good delineation point, though. If I say to you, Zach is so Zach was always so cool, and you think Zach Efron, fuck you. If you think Zach Morris, that's who I would have thought. You're my people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, I would go Zach Efron. Oh, really? Uh, Zach Morris, but Zach Morris isn't a real person. Zach Morris is a character. Zach Efron, believe it or not, not a real person. (laughs) Zach Efron is a real person. No, I bet bet he's a little bit different than you think he is. No, but I'm saying he's the actor. If you were to say whoever the person was who played Zach Morris. Mark Paul Gosler. Yes. If you're saying Mark Paul was super cool, I'd be like Gosler. But No, but that's not the Zach you grew up with. Like you grew up I with I never Zach really watched Morris. Saved by the Bell. <sighs> Did you grow up in Southern California? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like yeah, it was like totally Southern California. It was a it was huge based here. You know, it was I am saying I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying it was a huge thing. I'm just saying that I never watched it <laughs> because I was busy watching like I don't know, Spongebob Squarepants and Power Rangers. That was way not after, the same time. After, that was yeah. after. Power Rangers was the same time. No, Power Rangers uh, was after. Power Rangers started in the in the when did the 90s. When did it well, end? Uh, when did Good Morning Miss Bliss started in 1994, I believe, or 1993. I just wasn't a huge fan. And that was the first season. Then I went to Save by the Bell after that. It doesn't really matter, but is this about Kelly Kapowski? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> did Kelly Kapowski Kelly Kapowski is actually the wife. He did. He did. He did. He's actually the wife of Paul Pot. So let's just get to Kelly Kapowski. Salazar... Uh, I wonder how he picked the he, he grew up the sun. I don't know. I, I kept looking for that too, and I couldn't find it. It's interesting. It's like such a silly name. It is, <laughs> but like, we don't know what it's like in Cambodia. We, yeah, like, we don't know. It could, it mean could sound awful. like it yeah. could sound like uh, Hitler, Satan. Like what that sounds like in America. Like that sounds horrible in America. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> yeah, that's true. Pol Pot could sound really bad in Cambodia. That's true. People could be like, oh, I hate going to the polls, and Pot, uh, weed is evil. <laughs> I think that's it. I think he nailed it. <laughs> so he was, he was the son of a farmer and he grew up in the, I don't even know how to say it, Prex. Uh, anyway, he grew up in a, in a part of French Cambodia. So even though he grew up a farmer, his farmer family was like 
pretty well off. Even though in the interviews he says that like, oh, we we only like we only made enough to like live. He went to like the best schools, yeah, in Cambodia, which obviously may like meant like they they were like they were okay enough. So he goes to the. Obviously. Yes. Obviously means they're okay enough. Whatever. I'm <laughs> <laughs> a glass of wine in. <laughs> and we're the best school in Upper Harlem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. he went there and then he moved to Paris in 1940. And there he started hanging out with like, um, you know, just a, a bunch of students who had that kind of like a communist mindset. And that's where he met uh, I'm Sorry. And they joined the French okay. Communist Party. <laughs> 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 and uh, he was also like a huge Stalin fan, obviously. Mm-hmm. He, if these were his, <laughs> yeah, like your nose, big Stalin fan. <laughs> <laughs> so he's there in 1943. <laughs> he goes back to Cambodia again, and he joins the guerrilla fight. That you know they're in the jungles. They like live in the jungles, and they um, they're fighting against King Norodom Sihanouk and what is now the newly independent government of Cambodia. And then this is kind of where we start getting into like who he has his eye on. So at first. I, I just included this even though it's not who he ends up marrying because I thought it was really funny. He first, he's like when he's back in Cambodia, he's courting this girl named Song Sun Molly. Uh-huh. And she was like the daughter of a pretty wealthy guy. So she was just like a belle, mm-hmm. like a, a socialite. And for a while they were like kind of dating, kind of not. And then she leaves him for basically a more powerful political leader at the time mm-hmm. and doesn't end up marrying him, even though it was like really likely because like she married Jared Kushner. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> 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 and this is really I found that funny because it's like wow Song really dodged a bullet there yeah like she's not like a, <laughs> really dodged a bullet right <laughs> you should have put am I right am, am I right, right? <laughs> so that that ends and he's like well fuck it <laughs> <laughs> Another note. He well, goes, fuck it. He goes back to. He puts all his focus back onto like fighting the government. And in 1954, he returns to Phnom Penh. Uh, yeah, Phnom Penh. He works as a teacher. And around this time, actually, a little bit before this, is when he meets his future wife. And her name is. Her name is. Cupinari. Thank you. Cupinari. Solid star. Meet. Possibly. It's like not even known exactly where they meet. It just like one article said possibly. At the wedding of his friend Ying Sari and okay. her sister, <laughs> and Panari's sister Thurith. Uh huh. <laughs> get, get a glass of water then. It sounds, it sounds literally like I literally feel like it sounds like we're making fun of a person with a speech impediment when we say it. It's like Thurith. No, it's, get a glass of water. <laughs> I, also, I also feel like I'm blurring. I'm just like blurring it a little bit because I'm not sure how to say it. So I'm just like Thurith. <laughs> <laughs> so they meet possibly at their wedding. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, at their wedding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. It's okay. I wonder if Sari and Thurith, they're sisters? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, no, wait. Panari and Thurith. Panari and Thurith. Panari. So... P and T. So they are sisters, but... So Ayn is a first name? <sighs> Why? No, I think... So I think Thurith and Panari are the, are the first names. Because then they changed their, Thurith, yeah. their names over to... Um, okay. Yeah. To match theirs. Okay, gotcha. Because then she becomes Q, Panari, and then... The other one becomes 
Einsturth. Yeah. Yeah. So these two sisters are 12 years apart. They come from like a really wealthy family. Their father was a Cambodian judge, but then he um, left the family. He like ran away with a Cambodian princess during World War II. Ooh, it's really fucked up. It's like yeah. a Disney movie. It yeah. is, except he already had these two girls and wife. It's exactly like a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like the other side of the Disney movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then uh, a lot of people speculate that him running away with this Cambodian princess is one of the reasons that the two sisters hated the Cambodian elite in the first place and were so easily driven to the views of the Communist Party just because of daddy issues. Yeah. Basically. A lot of people because I've never speculated that. It's because they probably were like, you know, like, I hate all Cambodians. They think they're so pretty and then they like tell dad that like I can't have the Range Rover when it's like obviously my car. Well, they were Cambodian <laughs> too. I know. And then <laughs> Eileen's like, could you just order a place? <laughs> Q was, I think, more interesting than her sister, uh, Q Pinari. Really? I think the other one was more interesting. Well, maybe because it's sadder. I have sadder. no opinion. <laughs> well, you, you will soon. Maybe the is yeah. just right. So Q... <laughs> <laughs> Q was the first Q Pinari was the first female in Cambodian history to graduate from high school. Cunt. <laughs> <laughs> what a snot, right? Yeah, Everyone else yeah. is dropping out and she's like, no, fuck you. Yeah. I mean, she, most of they the probably have, weren't even allowed to go. They didn't get oh, an education. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Tanak. That's cunt backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you took it back? Yeah. Good, good, good. <laughs> this is a feminist podcast. <laughs> I know my place. <laughs> so Panari earned a degree from uh, a school called Lychee Sisoa. Lychee is the same school. Is it, I think I'm saying that right. It's the same school that her sister, Ying Sari, and Popot attended. But okay. like one year apart from each other. And that's not really, that's not where Panari and Salazar met. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then the two sisters moved to Paris, just like the other two guys did. Panari studied camera linguistics. Therith studied Shakespeare. A huge Shakespeare person. Yeah. Mm. She like loved it. And then here in Paris is where they met Salazar and Ying Sari. Then in 1951, Ying Sari and Therith got married. That's when that's when Popa and Panari met. And then, fun fact, when they were in like their reign of power, they were called the Cambodian Gang of Four. Mm. I think that was like like I bet they I bet they thought they were like really cool. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, we're the gang of four. They're they like the were coolest couple in the land. The yeah. same, like, dusters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were like a punk band. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Just walk down the street. <laughs> One of them, Paul Pot was holding the boombox over his head. <laughs> over his head? <laughs> like, yeah. Straight up in the air? Yeah. yeah. I meant like... It's like, it's about like time. on the side, ghetto like, walk, yeah, yeah, ghetto blaster, like, when walking the, around being like, guys, this truly is the best time of our lives. When did the, what, no, when did the boombox come out? 80s. 80s. Never mind, well, I'm way off. 80s, yeah. This was the 50s. What was around there? The, the sonogram. <laughs> yeah, the sonogram. Yeah, the sonogram. He was holding a sonogram up to his ear. Maybe he was walking with a tuba. You know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say judge anything. this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> okay. So when they met. She was 31 and he was 23. And that was really weird in Cambodia at the time because men did not normally marry older. That's so unlike America today. Yeah. No, and women, wealthy women did not marry men. <coughs> like, Salazar at the time was co- were considered to have very little prospects because he was just like fighting the government all the time. Yeah. Um. So even though he had a, a fairly wealthy farmer family, it was still not like anything special. He was a goddamn hippie. He's fighting the government. Yeah. He's a hippie. Well, he was a communist. He's a hippie. And communists 
and hippies are like hand in hand. Yeah. Oh, and even in America, well, most of our hippies ide- are communists. Yeah, ideally they are hand in hand, but they never really turned out that way. No, it absolutely turns out that way because socialism <laughs> is a failed project every time it's ever come to power. That place has gone down in bloody flames. And believe me, I'm a socialist, but I also am a socialist who realizes that I'm wrong. <laughs> That's, That's interesting. Good. Yeah. It's good that you say <laughs> that. That's good. Yeah. It's the same way I feel whenever I go to Chipotle. I'm like, I know I don't want to talk about here. the same way. Okay. I don't want to bring it up anymore. I know I shouldn't be here, but I, ha- I can't stop So, Panari. <laughs> Panari. Do you love Eileen? Is that what is this part of it? I think that's it. I think she started this whole podcast Guys, to I, her love. I just, I don't know how to get breach her. It's like, I feel like we are so close and yet so far away. I mean, I ordered like four Chipotle burritos a day and it's like, I want, even I want pictures of Eileen just because I want to fill in. Because right now I have a very different idea. She probably really I feel like she's in her 60s and has like a very tiny nose. See, but it's definitely not right because she's a, she's a Chipotle worker. But I'm the same way. Like, I'm thinking like 45, 50. Well, a uh, frail white woman. And that, like, it's not true at all. No, thin. it's Anaheim, so she's Mexican. Is she? Yeah. Oh. She's Mexican, and she's very young. I'm actually not interested in her. You like Latinas. They're your type, aren't I you? do, but she's super young. Like, she's probably still in high school. Mm-hmm. And she's also I very... Doubt it. So it's like 11 for, and she's there to take She's it also oh, very... very yeah, that's true. She's also very tiny. She, like, barely comes above the, the, the uh, table. But, uh... And then, yet, she still glares... Down she, oh, at you somehow. She, oh, she could kick my ass. I have no <laughs> doubt that that could happen. <laughs> back to look, back to Pottery. Yeah, back to the secondary topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it was a weird pair. She was older and you know had money, and he was younger and didn't have money. And so people were like, "What the hell?" But they got married and they had a Buddhist ceremony. Nice. Which huh. is weird because they hated Buddhism. They hated any religion once the Cameroon. Oh. Like Buddhism kicked in, and they softly even, a religion, really. <laughs> but they hated, they killed twenty five thousand Buddhist monks. Yeah, and the monks are probably just like, oh, okay, what? <laughs> well, yeah, they can't. Yeah, what? that's probably what they said. Like, All right, well. that is so weird. I wonder if that's like a thing that like they were they couldn't even help it. They were like, ugh, I guess we have to go to with a Buddhist ceremony. Gay people get married at like I churches think and so. stuff. I don't think so because like I mean, there may have been no other way to legally recognize it. Yeah. Right. yeah, no, they could have re- legally recognized it the government. Oh, I don't know. You don't know. They might need a religious ceremony. This is how it was in America for a long time. Well, when, yeah. when Ian, Sari, and, and Thurith got it's married okay. in France, <laughs> they just had like a normal ceremony. Yeah, France, oh. France yeah. is different though. Well, they could have left. I see, that's I think true. They, I think they, they were, yeah, they went yeah. there specifically yeah, to get married true. and yeah. went back. Um, All right. Good night. So they, they moved back to uh, Nome Pen together and she starts teaching. She's like the most popular teacher in the city, which is like, I don't know if that's saying a lot. But that's also crazy. Yeah. Like, can you imagine, like, I had my, one of my favorite teachers, Mr. Malash. Like, it would be crazy if I found out later that he was like a dictator. Like, I'd be like, oh, yeah. that's insane. It is insane. And, and, and Yeah, but would you be, like, totally shocked if you found out later that he married someone crazy? No. Yeah, that's kind of what this woman did, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's I mean, true. I don't know much about her yet. I haven't, I have not read ahead. So she taught Cambodian literature back at the school that she, uh, earned her degree degree from. And then Sal taught French, history, ge- geography, and civics at a private college. So they were both teachers. So even though she was really well-liked, people 
with like, cause she was so stark in her ways. People would call her the old virgin behind <laughs> her back. <laughs> and she always was, she, cause she was that lady that like walked around. She didn't wear any jewelry. She didn't wear any makeup. Um, she did her hair in a very specific, like old fashioned Chinese hairstyle every time. And she only, and she, it says she only preferred somber clothes, which I imagine is just like the color palette from mother. Yes. You guys <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. And then in the 1950s during their marriage, um, before like all the war really kicked in for them, she <laughs> she suffered from uterine cancer and she was left uh, un- unable to conceive children. So she, they never had kids, mm. which I think probably would have helped. So now they start calling them. her the barren old virgin. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fun. It's so fun for everybody. Names, yeah. So nickname. <laughs> yeah. So and uh, they, from 1956 to right around 1962, 63, right before Pol Pot left to just like live in the jungle and really kick the army into gear. They just lived together quietly. They did their work as teachers, and then like it was like at night they would work on the secret <coughs> secret communist government party mm, and geez. like you know create plans. So she was right there helping them. Oh yeah, she loved it. She was. I think one of the main reasons that Ang Sari and Pol Pot marry these two sisters is because they're already believers before they even like get start dating these women are already part of the communist party oh yeah they already like believe in it and it's like it's a strategic move really because yeah. like they're rich girls they're part of the communist party and you know <coughs> they're they're now educated too yeah so it was like totally one of those like soap opera moves or whatever yeah a lot of long looks <laughs> yeah from across the room yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Law and order. That is not a oh. <laughs> So her involvement, she was like deep in it with him. Her involvement starts around 1951. It keeps going till 1960. It keeps going after that, but Nine around years, 1960 wow. is kind of where her men- her mental illness starts to like kind of show signs, oh. which is eventually, which is what happens to her. She was eventually diagnosed as schizophrenic. And the main thing that people would talk about that she would have these episodes about was she was fixated on the the Vietnamese being like a, a threat and she would always be complaining to like Pol Pot or whoever was around that like they were coming to get her and they were gonna like rip them two apart specifically like keep them from each other oh I and, thought you meant like their bot they were gonna rip them I mean arms. she probably said stuff like that oh, if she okay. was like if she was to this point you know? yeah there's one example I think there's a whole book about it but I don't have it from a girl named Yang Muen who met Punari briefly Punari at one point was uh basically everybody who was part of the communist party had to go on the run after a while. So at one point, Panari's on the run <coughs> and she lives with Young Moon and her husband for about a month. But they find out very little about her because it's just the way it is when you're on the run during yeah. the war. It's like you don't want to know more about this person because yeah. right, if you get packed, you know. yeah, the more you know, the more you can give up if you're captured yeah. and tortured. So small talk is super short. <laughs> <laughs> the smallest of small talk. <laughs> <laughs> or just must be small talk because yeah. it must be like the weather's nice, right? Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I haven't been outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is weather? What, what is yeah? What, what is, is weather? weather? No, speak English. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. We're in Cambodia. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> 
that? I think I met my best friend. <laughs> so Young meets her briefly um, in 1967, and then she doesn't see her again. Young also being part of the Communist Party. Young uh, doesn't see her again until 1970, when like she walks in, she's in front of Pol Pot, you know, like reporting like a soldier, basically. <laughs> and then Panari walks in, sits down next to Pol Pot. Jeez. And then, and within those same that same meeting, a soldier comes over. He puts a glass of water next to Pol Pot. Panari just starts screaming at the top of her lungs that the water is poisoned and that the Vietnamese poisoned it. And then she like takes the glass and takes it away and then brings him like a new glass of water. And then the whole time, po- Young describes it as like she just looks at Pol Pot and Pol Pot just looks sad hmm. and doesn't say anything. Uh, he just he's keeps like, going with I'm, the rest of like the meeting. I'm trying uh. to run a regime. <laughs> I'm trying to start a genocide. Yes, My yes. wife is going crazy. Exactly. Like, yeah. Poor Pot. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor, what was pot? This is the only part where, like, I felt a little bit of, of like a, a tug because Young says, and Young took care of, of her for a long time from that point forward. That even when she was at her worst, Panari never even like said a bad word to her husband. Like, she just was always worried about him and like wondering if he wasn't in the room, she was like, Where is he? And this is one thing that, like, I found throughout our research of like the other Warlord Wives, which when we get into the other ones, is like it just how how compartmentalized these people are. Yeah. You know, like they yeah. have like they can do these such these terrifying, terrible, terrible things, things. Yeah. But then have such like some of them, some of them are, you know, just as terrible in their marriages as they are in, in real life. But right. some of them like have such they have such intimacy and such like care. They're so careful with the people that they care about, but then they're so terrible with like just the mass population. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did Panari invent or just popularize soup in a bread? <laughs> I think she just popularized. I think she just was like it was like the first person who put Oreos in milk. She was just like I think I found. Whoa, that sounds good. Yeah. What is that? (laughs) Seriously? Oh boy. Oh, Colin. Wow. Okay, buddy. Oreos are like my hydroxyphenes that I get right. (laughs) So when you've had uh, three shitty dates in a row, uh, what you do is you buy a a whole six pack of Oreos, which is just six sleeves. Six sleeves. And a gallon of milk. And what you do is you take the Oreo and you crush it like your heart. And then you shove it in your mouth. And you take the milk and you put it... And then you, like, put it in that place in your throat where you can't where you can't really breathe but you can't really swallow and you just sort of like just rest. yeah you just rest it there and you go all right god you make your decision either the oreo dissolves with the milk or i choke to death oh, so you're only coughing up oreos yes, right? yes. <laughs> all, right. all right so she didn't invent them good <laughs> i wish you would move up move on from my <laughs> i can't help it <laughs> So, like I said, Young eventually became Panari's caregiver um, <laughs> after a while. And she became... How old was she at this time? She was probably in her 40s. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, she was still pretty young when her, like, this, these signs started to kind of show. Yeah. Yang, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> like, towards the end of It'll his life. It'll get funny again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's at that place right now where I want to punch you in the dick, but it'll get super funny. Sorry, I'll put her it bro- away. I'll put it away so you can't see it. <laughs> yeah, also, please put your <laughs> um, her brother-in-law was quoted as saying um, she her the signs of her illness started showing like as early as like 1970 even though people I think denied it kind of because she would she would ignore people <laughs> okay 
<laughs> the quote was <laughs> she would ignore people directly in front of her. She just sat quiet and lonely. End quote. Mm. It's like a Tuesday for me. <laughs> <laughs> and this is your this is the woman that you like the most. I think she's yeah. Oh, okay, the she's one sad. She's, she's sad. She's, she's an like interesting mental one. illness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, yeah, she sounds like a hoot and a half. <laughs> well, she probably was, to be fair. Yeah. And then um I couldn't find the reason why Panari was so paranoid about the Vietnamese. Like it just uh, have you met a Vietnamese person? Because I mean <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I saw oh. my family, let me tell you. I sleep with one eye open. Uh, <laughs> the only thing that I can find was that Young said once, she was like, one time her and Pol Pot went to China via Vietnam. And I think something happened, mm. is basically what she said. And it's like, well, what the hell happened? Well, she was well, also I mean, schizophrenic. Also, yeah, and it's yeah, also exactly. after so the Vietnam fixing. War. Or like she, yeah. Her a formative part of her life was during the Vietnam, That's Vietnam true. War. So she was probably just mean, them, depending on yeah. what side. I don't know where Cambodia fell in that war. Yeah. Uh, conflict, but, you know, the the smear campaign, the, the uh, what's that stuff called? Uh, propaganda. Propaganda. Was, right. It was a propaganda war. Yeah. So. Which is a good segue into this next Thank part. Thank you. I didn't read ahead. For the record, I'm just a good, a natural segue artist. <laughs> <laughs> In 1972, knowing Popat, knowing that she's sick, um, appoints her to work on the propaganda and education as president of the Democratic Campuchia Women's Association. Mm. So he kind of just gives her like a task to be like, go over there and do this. Is it a real she, thing or is it just like a title where she's like, she real? stands in a wall next to a wall and just goes, <laughs> no, she, ladies. I teach you to be proper ladies. Ladies. She's just like, are we all Hope here? Bounce off. <laughs> yeah, she just she has to like take attendance of the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, a, I think it's like a, a pretty real thing. <laughs> <laughs> Her and Young are basically go away for like three years. Um, they come back periodically and they report to Popa, but they're in charge of going around and propagating their ideology and also reporting to him their people's current living conditions and education and if they they are doing a good job in like recruiting and outreach. So they would sure. just, so they'd come back to Popa and he'd be like, uh, living conditions? He'd be like, bad, good. Yeah. <laughs> Poor, perfect. Get out there. <laughs> yeah, good job. You did a great job, honey. <laughs> gives her a kiss on the forehead. Yeah. yeah. And go, go. <laughs> Please, leave me alone. <laughs> uh, but by 1975, which is only three years later, uh, when the Khmer Rouge had taken complete power of Cambodia, Panari was, uh, she was too far gone. Oh. And um, she too stayed. Too bad she wasn't able to help with the. Yeah, with the, with the genocide. <laughs> The I know. So Why sad. do you like her? <laughs> she stayed with him. Like, she stayed in the same house or a fort, whatever the hell. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to fort, whatever the hell. Yeah. Ladies? Yeah. <laughs> Ladies. Yeah. Welcome to my compound. Um, she stayed with her from 1975 to 1978. She would only, they were, they described them as her bad moments. When she would, like, be, like, removed from from his presence, basically. So when she would freak out too much, he would be like, get her out of here, I have to work. And uh, then that's what he would do. That's what it would say in, like, all these articles is that she, every time she got 
got too bad. He was like, well, he has to work and he has to focus on like yeah. killing everybody. So. Yeah. That takes a lot of focus. It really does. He's yeah. a real Don Draper. This <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then by 1979, when the Vietnamese invasion started. Ah, she was right the whole time. That's the thing. It's paranoid people are never wrong. Yeah. It's yeah. True. Um, she was taking the Chanbury <laughs> province in Thailand. And then. Uh, I wonder if like she was like, aha. Yeah, she was like, oh, okay. I didn't do that. I knew it. Ladies, <laughs> ladies, ladies. <laughs> yeah. Ladies, let's go. Well, let's go, everybody. It's like a real <laughs> yellow wallpaper scenario. Let's come with me. <laughs> What's the yellow wallpaper mean? It's a short story. It's just a story. About yeah. a woman who sees a woman in, in wallpaper. And like scratches at it. And scratches yeah. at it to let her free. And then, at, then like basically is like, come with me. Like, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> it's a sad story. It's a big, like, feminist short story. Because she's, like, stuck in that attic, right? Or, yeah, like, that her, room. Her husband, husband is, puts like, her there. Yeah, you're ill. Or what is the, what's the, like, the term they use Postpartum a lot? Postpartum depression. Well, she has, like, she's, like, sleepy or something. They say she's, like, super sleepy. Tired. Yeah, yeah tired. exhausted. Yeah. yeah. Oh, exhaustion. Something yeah. like that. Something that they would always say, say a woman was oh, back in those days. Oh, she's, uh, cunty vapors. Yeah, she had a huge huge whiff of the cunty vapors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, those huge whiffs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really. They, they really bad. afflicted women back then. Yeah. Cunty vapors. <laughs> Thank God we cured that. Yeah. That was you tried Triscuits, now try cunty wafers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now with 100% more queef. By 1990, when Young saw Panarion, she said that Panarion remembered certain things about her life at this point. She did remember um, Young's daughter, though, huh. which she asked about her. That is so crazy, that, yeah. like, what memories you keep with you. And she still asked about her husband. She asked yeah. about her and or about him as if it were, like, the next, like, a day after he she had just seen him, though. Mm. So she would be like, well, is he okay? Is he sick? And nobody had, and it didn't matter if anybody did have the heart to tell her because she wouldn't remember it the next day. He had already remarried in 1985 and had a kid and stuff and moved on. That sucks. So she kind of just, she died... She died in the care of Ayang Sari and her sister so, Thurith. <laughs> I'm sorry she died too, but yeah, she she and that that was it. That was the daughter. That was the daughter. That was the wife of the Khmer Rouge leader Pol Pot. She died so, July 1st, 2003, and she was 83 years old. No. Yeah, she was 83, so she lived a long time. Yeah, and then they called her the mother of the revolution. And in Pelin, where she died, they like kind of is it regaled? Yeah, they kind of just like they kind of loved her there after. She was like, super don't ask old. what the word is and then avoid using it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I said it regaled. <laughs> regaled her, yeah, yeah. Um, so she died inside of one of the palins, yes, yeah. Mm. It was uh, in 2003. That's why they are how they are. Just yeah, in 2003. So, that was actually the baby that Bristol was carrying. Yeah. <laughs> I just, so she, so Panari, she basically, she helped form all the ideologies of um, Salazar, later Pol Pot, and then kind of went nuts. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing like, like she never really got to see the fruits of her labor, which is kind of sweet. Justice. Is that yeah? Is it good though? I mean, because like she never really got to see like the shittiness too, right? So yeah, sometimes like have you ever met someone with Alzheimer's? Yeah. Uh, were they happy or sad? They're mm, happy. Yeah, I, angry. I met both. I met. <laughs> I met yeah, both. I met true. really angry and I met really yeah. happy. Yeah. So they were, she wasn't like my grandma. She wasn't happy or sad. She was just pissed off all the time. Yeah. But to be fair, she was pissed off before she started really getting into Alzheimer's. So. But I've met some people who yeah. have Alzheimer's who are just like, what? Yes, this is great. So yeah. maybe she was like that. Maybe she was like, how's Pol Pot doing? Yeah. I'll be yeah. there. To, tell him I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> and maybe she just like didn't know any. Like, I don't know. Maybe well, they she said she happy. was always freaking out. Whenever she had an episode, she was be she would be upset and paranoid. So I think it was more of like, where the fuck is Pol Pot? Oh, okay. Is he sick? Yeah. The whole time I wonder. Is he a conger here? And I'm going to bring up every every scenario to do this, but I always wonder, like, because this is what I think about all the time about everybody, is what kind of sex did they have? Like, that to me is like. I don't think they probably had a lot of sex. I mean, I most people have just have basic sex. I mean, I, there's a reason it's basic. Yeah. yeah. Most people just have normal sex. Yeah. I like, wonder if it was like. Maybe because she's though. crazy. Yeah. She's has a mental illness. Yeah. Maybe she's a little well, more fun I feel like she's also technically crazy. Because she was like head oh, of this. Technically, she's crazy. Well, yeah. they this called her after a while. They just called her insane. Yeah. And, they, and that's how, like, when everybody started being brought to justice <clears throat> way later on in like the nineties, which we'll just, get into with uh, yeah, with Ing sorry, with Ing sorry and Thirth. Sorry, that's no, okay. Get some water. <laughs> <laughs> um, it didn't get funny again, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Nari, Nari was immediately declared like too m- mentally ill. Yeah, too stand trial. Oh, so they no. just kind of like... They brought her in and she yeah. was just talking about Oreos and stuff like that. <laughs> and I, some girl yeah. named Eileen. Yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> Is the twist of this that you are? Uh, it might be. Panari Yeah, I feel like now, just based off my self-confidence, I'm just going to start telling people I'm 83, so they'll be like, you look good for an 83 year old. That's fair. That's a pretty good idea. Yes, I do. So thank you for listening. Alright, I am Lori Roggenkamp. I am Maria Oviedo. And this, uh, we had a wonderful guest, Colin Hughes. Thank you so much. Uh, Colin, you. Colin, do you want to plug stuff? No. Oh. You don't have anything? Uh, this is Colin Hughes LA. I, everything I have on the internet world is Colin Hughes LA. And what, he's what? a very funny comedian, so yeah. please check him out. Please check out his website and check out dates and anything that he posts online. Uh, I will say this. If you should look up HMS Death, and if they're still performing, you should go see them, because that has Colin and Laurie and the past guest, Paul. They're really funny. Thank you. They are. Thank you. They're uh, improv, so if you're not into that, they're probably not funny understand. too. Yeah, uh, yeah. We we're not that f- huge fans of improv either. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, have a great time of your life. <laughs> have a bloody good time. Have a bloody good time. <laughs>